those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Cornelius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, which to his own town. And jo Joseph went, also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judah, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and, and lineage of David to be registered with Mary. His betrothed was who was with child, and while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in a swaddling cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Great job, Genesis. Seriously. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to be here with you today. Um, maybe we've never met before. My name is Xavier, and I'm one of the pastors here. If this is your first time here, I just want to say welcome, that we're glad that you're here, and I would love just to introduce myself to you after the service. Uh, one thing I just wanted to point out with today's service, which is unique from how church usually is, is how many times we've prayed already today and uh, how many different faces from our church have been up front. And I just think that's special because that's what this is all about. And I say this sometimes um, to some people, but if for some reason we got a letter tomorrow that said you guys can't be in this building anymore, um, the church would still exist. Because this is the church. So I just want to say I'm grateful to be part of this community with you. And I'm just excited to spend this time in God's word together. So let's pray right now and then let's hop in to see what God wants to lead us in today. So God, we just pray. We invite you into this time. Would you please be in the space and lead us through your word? God, would you speak to the depths of who we are for some of us, uh, would you just lead us to closeness to you, Jesus, and more awareness of your promises and your peace for our life, even now as we wait for you. God, we love you so much. Amen. So uh, I wanted to tell you guys that my favorite fast food restaurant right now is In-N-Out, <clears throat> and um, there's a reason why. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I think it was like four weeks ago, I was sharing a sermon analogy about how there's not too many things that frustrate me in my life. But for some reason, whenever I go to a restaurant and I order something and I get the wrong order, uh, there's just something that stirs up in me and it, and it frustrates me. Please pray for my soul. So um, we go to In-N-Out like two weeks ago and we're driving through the drive-thru and I am so hungry. I gave plasma for the first time that day. I'll get to that story later. And I'm like so hungry though. So I usually get a double-double. So two patties, two cheese. Today I wanted to get a three by two. Three patties, two cheese. I didn't want the extra cheese. So I go in and, and I start ordering. And you're going to find out a lot about me right now. Uh, I, they said, what's your order? I was like, can I get a three by two? Uh, can I have no tomato on it? Can I have chilies on it? But could the bun be extra toasted? And could the burger be cut in half? So uh, <laughs> it just tastes better that way. So... Um, so we, we get the meal, we drive home, and I'm so hungry, I start eating the fries on the way home. Uh, when, when we get there, Anna has to put 
Dom down. So I just get this time alone with my burger, and I'm so excited to, <laughs> to eat it. So I, I grab the burger out, and I take a bite, and the bun's extra toasted. There's chilies on it. Uh, there's no tomato, but I'm, like there's something wrong. I go, wait a second. I look at it, and they're missing the extra patty. And I'm, so, I'm like, I can't eat this anymore. But it's, <laughs> I'm so hungry at this time. I'm like, I, I need to do something. So I ask Anna, should I drive back? She's like, no, that's a waste of time. Just call them. I was like, okay, I'm just going to call them and see what happens. So I, I call, and uh, they answer. I'm like, is this the PV in and out? They're like, no, this is customer service. And I'm like, they're like, you can share anything with us, though. So I say, hey, I ordered a three-by-two, but they only gave me two patties. And the person on the other line says, did you just tell me you ordered a three-by-two and they gave you only two patties? I said, yes. He goes, that's unacceptable. And I'm like, <laughs> like the Lord provided in and out It's my favorite fast food fresh restaurant now. So we get this conversation, and he's like, so what happened? I tell him what happened. He's like, I am so sorry, sir. I'm going to give this to management immediately. <laughs> and then he goes, and this is the best part. He's like, hey, uh, could you just give me your, your address? We would love to make this right with you and your wife. I, I would send you a gift card so that you and your wife can both get up to a three-by-three three and fries and any drink you want, even a shake. I was like, thank you, sir. I will represent you everywhere I go now. <laughs> like, I just... It was, very, um, it was a very great night. Uh, I, I tell you that because, and this is just my own thing that I have to continue to grow with, actually, is like w when I don't get the food that I want, like there's an unrest in my soul. There's like, um, I feel like I lack peace until I go out of my way to fix the problem. Like that's just, like I'll go drive back. I only expect an extra patty. I would have driven back just for that, just to make sure things are made right so I could get peace. I know, it sounds extra, but this is, <laughs> it's funny in like situations like that, but it shows up in my life in other ways too. Like when, when unwanted circumstances show up or pain or suffering, whatever it is, peace feels like it's taken away. And it's not until, at least for me, I, I feel like I need to have everything resolved or everything fixed in order for peace to come back into my life. And I feel like that shows up in a lot of our lives that we, we read verses from Jesus that say, I'll provide peace, I'm with you, all these things. But then moments happen in our life where peace feels like it's taken away. And we go, God, would you just fix this so I could feel better? But we go into the story today, into Luke, and it seems like what Luke wants to communicate to you and me and what God wants to communi communicate to us is that we can actually have peace in our lives despite our circumstances. That the things in our life that's causing turmoil in our own hearts and our soul, that those things don't need to be resolved before we get peace. But that God can actually provide peace in the middle of pain and suffering in our life. So today, the big idea that we're going to look at in the middle of Luke is this. There can be peace in our lives despite our circumstances. Uh, we're going to see this as we go through this story, what I want to do is this. I just want to look at what made the birth story peaceful. And then I always want to talk about what can bring us peace in our lives, especially in the middle of painful seasons. To help encourage us to know, especially for any of us here that might be in a season of suffering. To know that God can actually provide us peace right now, even before those things are resolved. 
So let's just read that story again, and let's go in and see what God wants to teach us today. It said this, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when, some people say before, Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. She gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling uh, cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Uh, Whenever we read the birth story or we think about the birth story, I think that there's a lot of our culture that fills our mind with how this moment must have felt. I think of Christmas songs like Silent Night. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. Round young virgin, mother and child, holy infant so tender and mild, sleep in heavenly peace. I I think about songs like that, or I think about nativity scenes in our home. Each person is standing around the baby. Ah, They all look like they're so calm. I think when we think of words to describe the birth story, sometimes the words that can come into our mind are quietness or tranquility or calmness. But it seems that Luke actually wants to emphasize something different. I think we are right when we use the word peace or peaceful to describe the birth story, but I think the word is accurate for different reasons than we often assume. When Luke writes this story, he does not want to emphasize calmness or tranquility. Rather, he emphasizes messiness. He writes the story about Jesus, the Savior being born. So the focus is good news. But Luke writes with the intention to catch our eye. He wants us to know how much of a mess this situation is. Uh, When he writes, there's actually three main tensions that Luke wants to point out for you and for me. So let's look through the text and see what he wants to point out. Uh, The first one is political. So it says this, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. So to give some perspective, the reason that people had to go and be registered is so that the Roman Empire could have the right statistics so, people, so that the empire could actually hold taxes correctly to each person. So much power that they had that people had to get up from wherever they're at and travel back to their hometown or where they own property just so that they could be taxed correctly. And this included a pretty pregnant woman. Not only that, but this was a unique perspective for the Israelites. They wanted to submit to God, but in many ways, they had to submit to the Roman Empire before they submitted to God. We see this because these rulers would often deify themselves, making themselves to be God. Caesar Augustus' name meant holy, and he was called the divine savior who brought peace to the world. He wanted to actually hold this authority as if he was God, and they would treat people as if they were God. If you didn't give them that type of respect, then you would not be respected back. Like any earthly power, the power that they had led to peace for some and naturally oppression for others. And the Jewish people at the time would have been fine as long as they were obedient to the powers that be. Luke is actually writing, too, directly to the poor and the marginalized. So as they read this story, they would have immediately known, I have no power compared to to the powers that be in the Roman Empire. 
There's this tension already as we read politically. Second, there's a tension relationally. Read verse 5. It says that Joseph went to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. So you and me need to understand how bad this really looks. So he keeps the details here. Joseph is with his fiance, who was pregnant. So let's just point out the obvious. He gets engaged. She's pregnant. And everyone puts two and two together. We know what happened here. Like everyone thinks that, that they're just fooling around. But what makes it worse is if they told anybody what really happened, they probably just thought they were lying. Like the picture I get in my mind is uh, Thanksgiving. For some reason, whenever I bring my wife and my son's little, but whenever I bring them to Thanksgiving, someone in my family has some bad story to tell about me. I don't know if that's the same for you. But they want to tell, like, an embarrassing story. So it just happened just this Thanksgiving. We're sitting there. We're about to leave. I was like, no embarrassing story. And as we're leaving, my grandma's like, hey, Anna, I want to tell you this story. I'm like, gosh. So she tells a story about how when I was 17, I was leaving their house for work, and I backed into a car that was parked across the street. And then she said, and this is actually embarrassing for me. She was like, we asked him, what, like, what was happening? And I told them, well, the car wasn't there yesterday. And I was like, <laughs> it's such a 17-year-old thing to say. But I think about Mary and Joseph, like probably for years, each year at Passover. You remember that one time you guys were pregnant and you guys said, the Holy Spirit? <laughs> you remember that? Like that actually happened. Like, but no one believes them. People are talking Mary is embarrassed. Many people say the reason Mary actually went with Joseph was just to get away from all those things that were happening at home. Think about how embarrassing it already is to break the rule that they were supposed to keep. That's what everyone thinks. But on top of it, everyone thinks that they're making excuses or lying to them. So there's this tension politically. Then they have this tension relationally with the people around them. And then they have a tension personally. This is what it says in verse 6 and 7. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. So when commentaries talk about this moment, they say different things about the specifics, but they agree on one thing. So, so they say maybe historically they always talk about how they were in a cave. Some other people say maybe they were in a side room, but they all agree with this one thing. Whatever the details were, there was not enough room in the normal area so she had to give birth in an uncomfortable situation and had to put her baby in a feeding trough. Like I think about all the nativity scenes at home where the hay looks like all cozy for the baby. If you've ever laid on hay, it's not cozy. On top of it, it was so, think about a feed, think about putting your newborn baby in this little trough that pigs were just eating out of. Like it is such an uncomfortable situation for them. I think we're getting the picture here. Luke wants us to see this situation was really messy. Politically, relationally, personally, and situationally as they sit there with their new baby. And if this story is about peace, which I still think it is, Luke wants us to know peace does not come from our circumstances. Obviously, because their circumstances were messy. So if this is the case, how is there peace in this situation? And if the story is about peace, when does that part show up? 
And how can we have peace in our lives despite our own circumstances? As we continue on with this, let me just take a quick pause to say how I think we often try to secure peace in our own lives. I think we actually do the opposite of what Luke is doing in this passage many times in our lives. So I told you I'd get back to this story. The other day I donated plasma for the first time. Someone uh, at church texted me. I guess they had like a Black Friday deal or something like that. I don't know. And they're like, you could get extra money if you donate plasma. I was like, I'll sit there for an hour and just let them take something. I don't know. So I show up and you have to like do this little like blood thing. They test your blood. You have to fill out all of this like these I don't know, these documents, it was like, if this happens, you'll die. If this happens, you'll die. I was like, this sounds horrible. So I'm just, and then finally, I go back to the area. If you ever donated plasma, it's like all these little beds. There's all these people, like, they're squeezing something, and then they're, like, pumping out the blood. And I'm like, this, like, I'm just, (laughs) so I go, like, lay on my bed, and I'm waiting for someone to come. And across from me, there's uh, two guys helping out these ladies. They're, like, putting in the needles and setting them up. Um, And the first lady he, like, puts the needle, and you see his reaction. He's like, oh, <laughs> one sec. <laughs> and he, like, breaks someone, and then they take it out. And he's like, so, ma'am, I put the needle straight through your vein. And I'm sitting here like, oh, gosh. And then he's like, ma'am, you got to go with the nurse. She's gone. Second lady, he, like, puts, puts the needle. He reacts. He's like, oh. <laughs> he's like, it takes it out. He's like, ma'am, we're going to pay you for today, but you could go home. And then they come to me. I'm like, so he's talking to me, telling me the situation. And while he's talking, he goes, oh, I'm so sorry, dude. I got like two hours of sleep last night. I'm like, oh, my goodness. (laughs) So then he puts a needle in my arm, and I'm like, I hope this is okay. And then I'm watching blood come out, and it's like swishing around, going back in me. It's all freezing cold when it comes back in, and it's all uncomfortable for me. So I do what any normal person would do in an uncomfortable situation. I put my AirPods in. And I distract myself until this thing is over. (laughs) And I do think, at least for myself, that many times when I want to secure peace in my life, that's my solution. As long as I don't see it or think about it, maybe maybe it won't impact me that much. And I think that that's probably the biggest temptation for all of us when it comes to pain in our own lives. We can distract ourselves in so many ways to busyness. As long as we have another thing coming, then I don't have to think about the real thing happening in my life. Maybe like accomplishment, if I can work and I can get like a good job from people around me, that will fill a little bit of that area. In other ways, it's like possession. If we buy things or if we have new things that can help us take our mind off. But I think one of the biggest ways of distraction for all of us is is media phones or or things that we watch, especially when we can just look at our phone and see, oh, there's something happening way worse out in the world. That distracts me from my own thing here. But I think that that's the biggest temptation for us, and it's the exact opposite of what Luke does. Luke could have written here, Joseph and Mary were happily engaged, traveling to get away and take care of a couple things on the way, and then in this beautiful scene, they had their newborn baby, and boom, here's Jesus. But Luke writes exactly the opposite of that, pointing directly to the pain of the situation. He wants us to notice it, to focus on it, to feel it, to see it, to remember it, to see this is all here. Because then he wants us to know where real peace comes from. 
peace is not found in our circumstances. The peace that you and me need are found in the presence of Jesus. The moment that Jesus enters the scene is when peace comes along with him, the Prince of Peace. The reason that peace is found in the presence of Jesus is because of what his presence provides. I want to focus on one of these, but let me just tell you what his presence actually provides. When he shows up on the scene, the first thing he provides is his person, who he is. Just him in himself is enough for us to have peace. Emmanuel, God with us, the King of kings, the creator of all things, the God of all love, the Prince of Peace. Just of who he is provides us peace. Uh, the second thing is this, is his power, what he controls. He sustains all things, provides all things, oversees all things. Just in these two things by themselves, we can have peace. But I want to focus on this one, that there's actually peace in his presence because of his promises, what he fulfills. I want to zoom on this and think about the moment when he's born and what that means for Mary and for us. As I've been thinking about the story, it made me reflect back on when Dom was born. And maybe you've heard this story before. But uh, when Dom was born, I remember we were driving to the hospital, and no matter how many people told me stories, it's my first baby, so people told me stories about what it was going to be like. I still thought it was going to be like the movies where it's like, you show up, and then the next thing you know, baby's born. But then there's, like, the first thing that happens, they're like, all right, here's your bill. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> Can I just do the good part first? And then we were there for, like, 36 hours. So I'm sleeping with my spidey blanket. They wake me up finally, and they're like, hey, the, the baby's coming. Um, when Anna finally starts pushing, it's, like, two and a half hours, and then the baby's finally born. Like I said, maybe I've told you this story, but... When Dom is finally born, I have so many expectations in my mind. I was going to cut the umbilical cord. I was practicing so I could do it in one swoop. I was going to take off my shirt and do skin to skin. Like, I'm just ready for this moment. And the moment that he's born, the unexpected happens. There's silence in the room. It was an interesting scenario. But when he was born, the umbilical cord was so tight around his neck, the more that he came out, the tighter it got. And just between you and me, there's a scene in my mind that I just can't forget where he's blue. His, I, I really didn't think that, that Dom was alive. The doctors were, were in pretty much emergency mode as well. They stopped noticing us, and they focused on Dom. They cut the umbilical cord. They wrap it around, but they have to get the NICU doctors in, and we're sitting there. It's two and a half minutes, which feels like an eternity in that moment of us just waiting, waiting, waiting. And then we hear something. We hear him begin to cry. And we just thank God. Thank you. I keep on thinking about that moment and thinking about Mary. This is me standing over here. The, the Bible doesn't say what I'm about to say. All I know is in that time, they didn't have the doctors that we have now which means there is no guarantee that your baby is going to be okay until you hear that cry. Mary is sitting there in a the side room with her husband, almost-to-be. 
when she gives birth and finally hears that baby cry, that's the moment that peace enters in because that means that God kept his promises. The moment that Jesus cries means that he kept his promises to Mary and to Joseph. All the political turmoil and the relational turmoil and even the situational doesn't matter in that moment because God kept his word. The Savior is here. For all the Israelites who were waiting and waiting and waiting for the Messiah to finally come, in that moment, God displayed that he never breaks a promise. For Adam and Eve who messed up this whole thing, God made a promise to them. I'll give you a son one day that will step with his heel on the head of the snake. In that moment, they know the promise was kept. The whole, this whole story, like all the Old Testament, pointing to the New Testament, promise after promise after promise, in that moment when Jesus, little baby Jesus, starts crying, there is peace because God always keeps his word. Now, here's the detail that's very important for us to notice. When Jesus is born, all the tensions that we mentioned are still present. Augustus is still in power. People are still talking. Mary is still in this side room. But there is peace despite the circumstances. Because Jesus' presence is the affirmation that God keeps his promises. Now, I think about for us. I know for a fact that there is messiness in this world still. Just look on the news or on our phone. We look all around the world and we see so much brokenness everywhere. I know for a fact that there's messiness and brokenness and pain around our city. But more than that, I know that there's pain in this room, in our church. There's been suffering for some of us. There's been broken relationships. There's been unexpected loss. There have been circumstances that we do not desire. There have been tears behind closed doors. There has been relational pain, physical pain, spiritual pain in some of our lives. There have been moments this year that did not go, go according to our plan. There have been prayers that we have endlessly asked God for that we feel like he's not answering. There have been an abundant amount of moments that we would not call peaceful. As the year comes to an end and we look back at 2023, there's probably moments and seasons of brokenness, loss, and regret. And what does this passage mean for us? For those of us in this room that don't feel peace, but feel pain. We could say, Jesus will keep his promises. But that doesn't make our pain magically go away because we say those words. Here's what I think God is communicating to us through this passage. Just two things to share. The first one is this. Jesus is not afraid of your pain. This was really encouraging for me this week because I'm afraid of my pain. I'm 
way more content with the Christianity that says, once I accept Jesus, the rest of my life is smiles and joy. But that's just not real. Think of the story that we just read. Jesus doesn't rid of the pain, but he enters into it. Jesus enters into the mess of the world, so he enters into ours too, no matter what it looks like. Some of us here just need to know Jesus is not afraid of your pain. We often feel like we need to hide those parts of us from him and be the joyous Christian. But Jesus entered in the pain of the world, so he'll enter into ours too. You can trust him. The second thing is this. We can hold peace and pain together as we wait for Jesus. Peace for us comes from knowing that if God kept his promises then, he will keep his promises now. His promises to the world that he will restore all things and make all things new. His promises to the sufferer that he will wipe every tear away. His promises to the sinner that he will save us from our own flesh and destruction. His promise for the sick and needy that he will heal every part of us. His promise to the faithful that he will uplift us as we wait for him. We can have peace knowing that if God kept his promise then, he will keep them now. And at the same time, we can confess that we have real pain as we wait for him. I don't have any solution for the pain just to go away. I wish I had like a Bible verse or like a, a prayer and the pain just disappears. But all I know is we can have peace knowing that God will keep his promises and at the same exact time, we can still have current pain. John 16, 20, these are Jesus' words to us. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. So what's the promise? We will have sorrow now. But Jesus says, when he comes, we will rejoice. There is real pain that we have, and we don't have to fake peaceful feelings. But we can have peace in our hope that Jesus will return and make all things new. Our peace comes from the trust in a future reality. But we sit with our pain now as we wait for Christ. We can have peace and we can confess our real pain. Jesus will come again and make all things new. Our peace, though comes to the fact that God has never broken a promise. And as we wait, we can trust what Jesus said, that he is with us now until the end of the age, and that he is with us even in the middle of our own mess. So as I close, I just want to say, I guess I just want you to know that we're here for you. Your church, your community, your pastors, whether this means something to you right now, or this means something for you in the future when a suffering season comes. And what I want to do for us is this. Um, there's something really beautiful about prayer, 
Because when somebody prays over someone else, just a believer over another believer, it's like this incarnational ministry. We get to reflect Jesus to that person. And through that person, Jesus begins to pray over them. So what we want to do is after service today, after we sing songs and we spend time in communion and benediction, we're just going to have a few of us up front to pray over people. If you're here and you need prayer for anything, we just want to lay hands on you and ask God, would he bring peace into your life? And I just want to say this with two caveats. Maybe you're here and you do want prayer, but you're nervous that if you come up front, people are going to start thinking, oh, I knew it. I knew that they had some pain going on. <laughs> just if you're here and you want prayer, just listen to the prompting of the Spirit and come up front and we'll pray for each other. The second thing is, if you don't need prayer here, that's totally okay. This, you might be in an amazing season right now. Uh, but in this moment, when people do come up, they're just going to come up for big things and small things. Let us be a loving church of brothers and sisters. So not overthink why people might be coming up. But in this time, let us spend time together worshiping Jesus, thanking him for keeping his promises to us, and knowing that Jesus is present with us in each season. The joyful seasons the painful seasons, and to know that we can have peace because Jesus has and will keep all of his promises. Let me pray for us right now. Prince of Peace, you love us and you're with us. You know all things. You know our joyous thoughts and our painful thoughts. You know exactly what we're going through in this time better than we do. You know the inner depths of who we are, the good parts of us and the bad parts of us. Even the secrets in us you know. And you still love us. And you're still with us. So God, would you remind us, especially for any of us in this room that's particularly in a season of pain, would you just remind us that you are present? That you walk with us even in the valleys. You are our shepherd there as well as the mountaintops. So lead us and love us. Please be present with us in this moment as we sing and we pray together. Amen. So each Sunday after, we, after the message, we take time to respond through song, through prayer, through giving, and through communion. So today, as we reflect and we take the cup that reflects the blood of Jesus and this cracker that reflects the body of Jesus, I just want you to reflect on the presence of Christ. Wherever you are right now in life, joyous season, painful season, suffering season, or good season, would you just know that in this moment, as we reflect on Jesus, that he is with us in this time. So spend time praying with him. And maybe you're here and you are still trying to figure out what you believe about Jesus. Would you take this time just to pass those elements? We don't want you to feel like you have to fake anything here. But take time just to reflect on the things that you've heard today. With that being said, it might be your first time here. I just want to give you some guidance uh, whenever we take communion here, we just take time amongst ourselves with Jesus just to pray and to take each one of the elements alone before we go back into worship. So with those things being said, let's take time to reflect and to pray as we take communion.